make sure you never miss a hilariously delicious episode of A Fork on the Road by subscribing at fbpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. Jennifer English is FlavorBank on Twitter and hashtag FlavorBank on Instagram. I'm at Mark DiCarlo on Twitter and at Mark DiCarlo TV on Instagram, where I post all the funny things I see in my travels, including cranky tourists. Travel guru Mark DiCarlo. That's Jennifer English, the James Beard Award winning food journalist. And together we take you to a fork on the road. And what a show we have today, Jennifer. I know. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. You know, I am actually a really big fan of Susie Nakamura. Yeah, she's all right. Well, she's more than all right. She's one of the alt she's one of the great women on screen at the moment. And she owns the ground she stands on on a very funny show, Dr. Ken. She does. Uh, she's actually doing a new show, which we're going to find out. Susie Nakamura. She's in London. It's it's like one o'clock in the morning in London. Oh, she's yet- just getting warmed up then. Oh no, exactly. Oh, she's a huge <laughs> party. But she took time out to be with us today. Susie Nakamura, welcome to a fork on the road. Hi guys, I, I love Jennifer a lot more than you. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it's a contest, <laughs> but her but intro is, I'm was. Losing was remarkably better than yours. That's because I'm going to gush about the fact that I am a really big fan. I love your delivery, and you've got expressions, and you communicate on a vibrational level with both (laughs) words and looks that um, I don't know if that's your Second City roots shining through, because you can be funny sometimes without saying a word. Well, sometimes I have to because I don't get enough lines. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Very, that's it's nice. It's nice to, to, for that to be acknowledged because um, I think you know comedy can can affect people in different ways, and a lot of times a, a look or something you know that's smaller than a, a huge reaction is is much more funny and something we can relate to. You know, it's kind of interesting, and, and as you say that, I think of people like like Prattfall comedians like Chevy Chase, who are the comedians of a big gesture. And if you if you think of comedy on a spectrum, and I don't know if you think of it this way, um, but as a comedian, do you think that there's this like really broad range of funny from like like um, like pin needle gestures to the big pratfalls and do you think of it that way and are you more comfortable in one end of that spectrum versus another or do you play in the whole space i don't know if actors consciously think about it you know it just it's and we also adjust to whatever the tone of the show is or you know who we're playing with and 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 you know i think i think the the people that i I admire uh do that well Mm -hmm. um and uh I don't know if it's a conscious thing. I've, I, I've never really thought about it till you asked me just now. Well, let me ask you in a, diff- <laughs> in a slightly different way. Where do you feel the most funny? I feel the most. I don't know if I. I, I don't know if I actually feel funny, but what I, the comedy that I enjoy doing is is um, being uncomfortable, and I think that's because mm-hmm. I love watching other people be uncomfortable, and it's 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 it's, it's very sad. In real life. Too. No, when you're when when I watch people on screen, what I think is the funniest is when they're uncomfortable, or when they're, when they're a fish honest, out of water. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're you're stripped of all your artifice. If you're uncomfortable, or you've been knocked off your your horse, and you're scrambling to regain your composure, that's when you're the most 
naked and honest, and that can that can be very funny. I think so, and that's kind of how you live your life, isn't it, DiCarlo? Right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on the edge, baby. <laughs> uh, now you know you know Susie from uh, Dr. Ken. You know her from um, uh, uh, Modern Family and a bunch of other shows. She's in London right now doing a new show. Can we talk about this show, Suze? We can talk about the show, um, but I do have to admit it is not 1 a.m. here because what? I am in Los Angeles because I flew back what? to do this show. Oh, no, no. Uh, no, the whole thing is <laughs> and, and, you were supposed to be and in Mark, London. And Mark, you paid for the whole thing, just so you know. <laughs> I did. She charged me 1500 bucks for an airfare. <laughs> First class. Uh, well, so what is... Is this the first time you've worked in London? What's London like, and what's the show like? Uh, London is fantastic. It's uh, I've vacationed there, but I've never worked there. Um, and so we're shooting at Leavesden Studios, which is uh, kind of northwest in uh, Watford. It's where they shot all the Harry Potter movies. Oh, cool. Oh, no. And there is a tour, so I'm hopefully on one of my days off I'm going to take the tour. Maybe I'll get a <laughs> discount. Yeah, the show's called Dead to Me. Is it a comedy? No, the show, that's another show I'm doing for Netflix called Dead to Me. The show I'm doing uh, in London is for HBO called Avenue 5. And what's the premise of Avenue 5? It is a comedy set in space on, uh, in, uh, on, a, on a ship, on a spaceship. <laughs> and, and is this more along the lines of, I don't know, a, a modern-day ALF? Or, <laughs> like, what is it? <laughs> what is not a modern-day ALF? Are you really playing think a puppet? About it? What isn't, right? <laughs> ALF is life. Uh, it's really hard to describe, I guess, because we, you know, we're, we're at the very, very beginning. Where we actually, I'm going to fly back next Sunday, and we're going to start actual, you know, shooting and stuff. Um but based on the cast, which is fantastic, and the script, um, I would have to say, like, I think everyone, because it's Armando Iannucci, who, who is responsible for Beep, Veep, um, I think people are hesitant to call it Veep in space. <laughs> so, you just I, so I'm you not going to say that. But uh, it does have that sort of same, like, character-driven, situation-driven um, comedy, which, I, I lo- which is what I loved about Veep. And again, is Armando, a uh, Second City dude. Armando? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. You know what? I don't know his background, but he did In the Loop, and he did Death of Stalin, and he did. Uh, um, uh, I mean, besides Veep, and he's he's hilarious, and I he's a writer and a director, and um, he's worked with Hugh Laurie plays our captain. Wow. Mm. So I know Hugh Laurie did a, a great arc on Veep, and so I think, you know, he likes working with the, the people that he, he's worked with before. Although I've never... Oh, wait, I take that back. I did do Veep. I have worked with him before. We are talking with the uh, intergalactic uh, superstellar superstar, Susie Nakamura, here on A Fork on the Road. And Susie, one of the questions, I know Mark probably already knows the answer to this, but I don't because I don't occupy that rare air of funny space that you fantastic Second City alums uh, swirl around in like red balloons. But I really want to understand when you are in these fantastic places in new projects with people who are in that sort of vernacular of comedy you described before as one of your favorite styles of comedy is that sort of uncomfortableness and that, you know, palpable squirming Larry David kind of and immediately comes to mind. And I was going to ask you, who are some of your... um, benchmarks for that kind of comedy and as you were saying that i was thinking of julia louis dreyfus who else is in that so people can understand what you mean by that um i remember the first time i saw it it was martin short on an snl skit where he was playing i think he worked for like a cigarette manufacturer and he was being interviewed and he was sweating and he was uncomfortable (laughs) and he was defensive and he was uh, mark do you remember that at all Yes, uh, he, that was the one season he was on, right, with Chris Guest and Mike McKeon. Yes, they were. Br- th- th- those guys are, I think, uh, brilliant. Yeah, um, and, I mean, and, and he's a. I'd never seen anyone like basically play a person that they didn't agree with, and to make them look bad. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Listen, um, if, Ed, if, Ed, if Ed Grimley, do- listen, if Ed Grimley doesn't make you uncomfortable, you just you're, <laughs> yeah. you're not, not going to get that genre of comedy at all either. Yeah, but I also loved um, 
Gene Wilder and Young Frankenstein, just sort of like the, um, he's, he's the sort of master of the small reaction mm-hmm. for me. Just the eyes. Yeah. Just the eyes. Yeah. Just uncomfortable just small, with himself. Just small no, mo- no, noise with his mouth, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and, and you got it all. And it also gives the actor something to uh, it play in the scene. You know, if you're supposed to be making a monster, but, you know, everyone's laughing at you behind your back because you're the great-grandson of the original doctor, you've got that to carry around on your back, and it, it motivates weird, extra funny stuff that is probably, although he wrote the script, not in the script, but gives you something to play. Yeah. You know, someone who's maybe in over his head and suffering from the pressure of... Right. of his dad and all that stuff just adds to the layers of of um of the the, the stakes. Is your character in Avenue Five uncomfortable? Who do you play? Uh, I play sort of like a mid- middle management uh, character. Then um, I sort of I'm sort of like the liaison between the owner of the spaceship and the people on it. And is there an alien component to this? I was kind of teasing before about Alf, but I was. You know, it, it just seems like is is that is that something that enters into it, or is it just how humans relate to each other in this preposterous circumstance? Uh, right now, uh, it's just sort of like a, a wor- almost. Like, I guess you would call it a workplace comedy if I had to over oversimplify it, because we're all at work. We're, it, we're it's just on a spaceship and we're in space. <laughs> I love you. You're so funny. Listen, Susie Nakamura is here, uh, best known for some of her more popular roles in some of our favorite shows like Dr. Ken, talking about her brand new projects that are going into production, um, Avenue 5 and uh, Dead to Me on on Netflix. Uh, Susie, I have a question about, um, about funny. And you said something really interesting a couple of minutes ago. I, I consider you one of the funniest women on television, but uh, television is also becoming something more than television as you go, you know, to, to Netflix and Amazon and, and the other the other distribution places. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't don't I don't want you to feel like I'm putting you in a smaller place by saying television. Um, oh no, she's in space. She's in space, man. Is. She's intergalactic. Um, but I I want to I want to ask you a about funny you said you said you don't know that you necessarily are do, do you make comedy or does comedy come through you huh that's that's an interesting question i think comedy in a sense has to come through every person right because whatever our viewpoint is 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 what makes us individual right if we write a joke or if we play a character it's it still has to be filtered through our own uh, experience, right? Our own perspective of whatever that gag or joke or person is. Because you know, it just drips off of DiCarlo. Uh, a lot of stuff. Drips, like pine drips cones. Off of DiCarlo. <laughs> like, <he's> just... <laughs> like a dead snakeskin molting. Well, yeah, you got to get rid of it. <laughs> what I think we learned at Second City, and what really uh, actors do, is what she was talking about. You you take the words off the page. And you have to filter, first of all, you have to know who your character is, mm-hmm. and then you filter it through that and your own self, and then what comes out is, by definition, unique, you know? And, and uh, if it's funny, it's funny. You can't, like, like uh, rest his soul, Jerry Lewis was not the king of the subtle comedy, right? But uh, this is kind of the, anti- the, the opposite of that now. Right, comedy yeah. is just, it is what it is. And if you're a nervous... I mean, look, look at Hugh Laurie's career, to take uh, one of your co-stars. He was, you know, ground zero in London in the 60s and 70s doing his, his stuff there. And he was very underplayed and uncomfortable and uh, very British. And he's had such an amazing career. Is he showing you around London at all? Cause that uh, would be a not, great yet, not yet, but he's been very... The, the whole cast, uh, we have Americans and Brits in the cast and all the... the um, local people have been really wonderful to the Americans, even if it's sort of like if they want, if they, if, you know, they offer to answer questions about what neighborhoods are like and, and that kind of thing. And they, the whole production has just been really welcoming and helpful and informative. And it's like it's like New York with nice people. <laughs> <laughs> and without the stench. Yeah. 
That's funny. We're talking with Susie Nakamura, the globetrotting actress whose next projects will take her into the intergalactic realm of comedy. Susie, and I'm going to ask Mark this as well, and I never get the chance to really focus on the fact that he really is one of the funniest guys I know. And, and it's really Told such you, a... Susie. Shut up. <laughs> he gave me a 20 spot. Actually, it wasn't 20 spot. He actually gave me a $20 Barnes & Noble gift card, but it was counting um, to say that. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about in, in terms of comedy, it sounds to me in some ways, like when you're making it, do you know that it's delicious the way a chef knows that if they do certain things that the, the resulting dish is going to be absolutely delicious? Like when you're making it and it's it's flowing out of you and through you, do you know that you're making delicious comedy by the reaction you're getting? Because I, I know that when you were talking about the reaction, that laugh, it, it is it is so... Um, it's spontaneous and automatic. It can't. It's not a contrived reaction. You can't make a contrived reaction. Will you talk a little bit about that? There's nothing more satisfying than that immediate response. And it's weird in television and movies, no one's really allowed to laugh. So you're sort of like making jokes into this black hole, and then they edit it, and then they broadcast it, whatever, six months, and then, and then you get your reaction. So it's kind of a weird process for comedy. Especially because, you know, Mark and I come from live performance where we get the reaction immediately and we know immediately if something works or something doesn't. I think you know on set, right, when, when you something know. went well. You know, if, if, a, you know if, if one of the grips is trying to stifle a laugh and that kind of stuff and people, you know, will laugh when, when the director has yelled cut. But It's like jazz. You know, every individual player hones their craft, learns their lines, does all their stuff, but you're all kind of siloed off. And then when you hear action, everyone brings their A game. And I think, at least for me, it elevates, you know, when everyone else around you is pitching 100 miles an hour, you, you join the fun and stuff happens that you never envisioned or planned on. And that's the, that's the drug. Yeah. Especially and on the stage, joy you know, is sort of you... finding laughs where you didn't know there were laughs. Right. But I've also been in situations where I think I am 100% sure something is funny and, it, and I don't get the reaction I expect. Uh, <laughs> but if there is one guy in the back laughing really, really hard, that's still really satisfying. That's a win. Uh, now, people know you as an actress and an improviser. Uh, people probably don't know this. About, I don't know, maybe a year ago now, Susie got tapped to do stand-up for the first time time she did a, a, a charity show with um, Ken at the Laugh Factory and all you know all of her friends were there we were watching and we were all kind of nervous because everyone's like oh my god Susie's never done stand-up is she going to be funny did she write what's what, what's going to be and you killed what was that experience like were you nervous because it looked like you had been doing it for 20 years well I mean I did when I first moved out here I did do some stand-up but I didn't like I didn't like the writing process. I'm, I'm, I'm an improviser, so I'm super lazy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't love it. For that type of endeavor, you really have to love it because it's, it's difficult and it's a lot of work. But, I mean, I hadn't written any new material in 20 years. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I wasn't I, – I, I, I was nervous, but I, I, I have to say, like, as an actor, you can kind of just – pretend you know what you're doing, <laughs> if that makes any well, sense. Worked. That's what I did. Like, I, I pretended I was a stand-up. That's funny. When did you know, when did you discover you were funny? When in your life did you, did you realize Tuesday. you were funny? I, I, think the, I think the reason a lot of people in comedy uh, have, like, anxiety and, you know, struggle with low self-esteem or whatever is because we, we're never sure. Because we're, we're, the reason we're doing this is because we're always trying. At least that's my perspective. Mark, do you are you 100% sure you're funny? Uh, 100%, <laughs> yeah. No, you know what it is? I heard a line once. Someone was talking about Groucho Marx, and the, the line was, he thinks funny. He sees things. Someone will say something, and 99% and of the people will see one image, and the comedian will see it in a different way. And when you can bring that to the party... I can't imagine a better way to make a living than going someplace and making people laugh and enjoy an hour, you know? Yeah, and then if they're laughing, they're laughing at the same things that you think is funny. Right, and you really can't fake it, you know? I, I think doing comedy is, is much more nuanced and difficult than 
making somebody cry or doing drama, especially now when there are so many different cultures and different takes that people have in the world to be able to cut through all that and make a big, broad swath of people giggle at something that you thought of or said or, or act out with your face. It's a, it's like a unifying moment and it kind of reaffirms my faith in humanity. How about that? I love it. I love acting out with my face. Susie Nakamura, thank you so much. I can't wait to go out to dinner with you and have a couple of chuckles. Oh, that would be great. Thanks Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for calling all the way from London. We appreciate it. (laughs) Make sure you never miss a hilariously delicious episode of A Fork on the Road by subscribing at fbpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. Jennifer English is FlavorBank on Twitter and hashtag FlavorBank on Instagram. I'm at Mark DiCarlo on Twitter and at Mark DiCarlo TV on Instagram, where I post all the funny things I see in my travels, including cranky tourists. How sweet and funny is Susie Nakamura? She's amazing. I'm she's, so impressed. Listen, I am so impressed that you know her. <laughs> Me like, too. I mean, you know a lot of really amazing... First of all, you have an amazing wife. Yes. And you have extraordinary I friends. But, but I have show. to tell you, you continue to amaze me with the, the people that you, that you bring in. You know, I will say this. You know, I'm from Chicago. Uh, that's where Susie's from. Most of our Second City friends that live in California are from there. And there's a certain... It, it's part of the curriculum there. And it's also just a Midwest ethic that uh, people are very down-to-earth, very funny, and very uh, friendly. And it's, it's like our grad school. Mm-hmm. And we all have kind of found each other out here in Los Angeles. And uh, it's great. It's so exciting and wonderful to see your friends do well, to go to a movie and see your friends starring in a movie or turn on HBO and see your friends there and know that, man, they are as funny as I thought they were. You know, it's really, uh, really wonderful that you can call them literally on the spur of the moment and have them jump on the show. And that was uh, super fun. She's at Susie Nakamura on Twitter. She's a funny person to follow there and uh, is seeing the world. I wanted to hear more about London well, because uh, I know uh, that's where she's been. And that's where she's been. And before we go, and I want to remind everybody that you are tuned into A Fork on the Road with the incredibly talented, hysterically funny, and very generous Mark DiCarlo. Uh, well, we got... I, you know what? Talk about friends. Our next guest, because one of the <laughs> traveling musicians, right? No one knows more about food. And the, that's right, buddy. This Our next guest is a world-famous musician. He has traveled the world on the back of his guitar. He's the lead guitar player in a great band called Cowboy Mouth from New Orleans, Louisiana. We got Jazz Fest coming up in a couple months. John Woo-hoo! Thomas Griffith, welcome to A Fork on the Road, buddy. Oh, dude, thank you for having me. I can't thank you enough, Mark. What's How you, you doing, to? cowboy? I'm doing great, man. Just taking a little downtime. I've got uh, some gigs, some St. Patrick's Day uh, gigs in Florida this weekend, and and then I'm off for a few weeks. Nice. Getting ready for the yeah. fest? Yeah, oh. you got to believe it. You know, we're opening for the Stones on the same day. Wow. That is cool. awesome. Pretty cool slot. Oh my if you have never seen people... The band called Cowboy Mouth Live. It's it's impossible to describe. How would you describe it in fifteen words or less, JT? Dude, uh, you know it's funny because I've I've never seen Cowboy Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being in the band, you really don't get to see. Uh, you see videos and things like that, but it's not quite the same experience, you know, as being in the house. Um, so I, I really can't. I, just being in the band, I tell you, it's, it's, it saves my life every night. It's it's a transformative experience. The music is great. The performances are great, and you're kind of the the um, the standard bearers for, in my opinion, the greatest music city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana. We carry that banner. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Proud. And les Lebontemps Roulet. We we there you go. We we. So John has been in the band for a long time 29, now. Twenty nine wow. years. Well, you know, this is our 29th consecutive Jazz Fest, and that's how we count our birthdays, is how many mm-hmm. Jazz Fests we've done. Because we formed in November of 1990, uh, <clears throat> and our first Jazz Fest was actually in 1991. So from there forward, I mean, we, that's how we kind of count our 
and age, so to speak. I want to talk food and travel with you because yes, sir. You, you have become a very clever travel hacker and you also like to eat. What's your outside of New Orleans? <laughs> well, no, who comes to, now, in all fairness? I mean, these well, are the most gotta, learned gotta, I, foodies on the planet. Yeah. Well, I got I got a hand. I really honestly I got all that go, credit goes to my girlfriend Kim Randall. She lines all that stuff up and and we go on these trips and um I kind of stay out of it cuz I'll screw stuff up, you know. Um, <laughs> naturally, that's what guys that's what guys do. Uh, yeah, we've been around the world. I think our fir- first actual, we had made a trip around the world, actually around the world, uh, within a couple weeks. Uh, we did, um, San Francisco to, uh, Dubai, Dubai to, um, Melbourne, Melbourne back to San Francisco. Wow. And that was within like a two week period, but it was still, it was around the world. Uh, I can honestly say it's been around the world. What are some of the websites that you use? Because I, I know you get great deals on air and hotels. What are some travel tricks we can you know pass what, on uh, to our listeners? I, I, I can uh, just what I gather from Kim. Um, Kim uses a, a website called flightdeals.com, just like mm-hmm. it sounds, flightdeals.com. And um, it, what it does, it, it produces a, um, a, gener- a list of deals that are going on for the next 24 hours. So a lot of the times the deals are, I mean, I, <laughs> the irony is that I travel from here, San Francisco, to Florida this weekend and back. It's going to be double what I paid to go to Italy and back. Yeah. If you're that flexible, makes any sense. Right? Yeah. If you're flexible and well, you can you, fly you to Italy flexible. tomorrow. Yes. Well, you, gotta, you have your kind of, um, uh, well, for instance, we're going back to Italy in April. We've seen a, it's been like a, a last three, this is our third year we've been back. And in April, uh, and uh, consecutively, so uh, I mean, um, we pick these little months and kind of have now have fallen into a groove where we do January, April, then we'll do wait till September, August, um, and then we'll do another one in November. So we do about four trips a year. And those oh, yeah. are all shoulder seasons, typically. That's where people are not flying as much in January or in April because it's kind of like the end of winter, but summer hasn't kicked um, in. So that's the most uh, economical uh, time to fly, right? Well, I, I have to say, that's not actually the criteria of how, how it works. It's, it kind of works more like you have to take the, uh, the, you have to, well, when they exhibit the price on their, on their uh, web sheet or whatever, they they mm-hmm. that only lasts for twenty four hours. You have to call and book that, at least put it on hold for uh, another twenty four hours. So you can kind of think out what 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 you could use that for. And if you mm-hmm. don't use it, you just let it slide and it goes away. You don't right. you don't purchase it. And that's how yeah, kind of you, we do it. That's a great Wait, way to travel for unattached single people or couples. If you're footloose and fancy free and you're not tied down to a nine to five. You know, you pick up, you, you open way. up your, yeah, mm-hmm. you get to go. That's a great way. Right, so, you know, you just thought that they, they come out all through the year, these prices. And, for instance, we just saw, uh, we, we fly American Airlines. That's also another part of our equation. Always here. pick one airline uh, to stick with, right? We stick with one airline, and we get executive status. And when we go on these trips, we'll pull out our uh, upgrade slips that we that comes with being executive. You get four per year, each person. Mm-hmm. So you put those down, and that puts you into the uh, upper, the first class, um, uh, most of the time. And mm-hmm. that's the best way to travel because you're doing like 14-hour runs in a plane, yeah. and sitting in coach is not my cup of tea. Um, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's right. That that's one one good yeah. thing. You want to get a credit card that feeds your airline of choice. You always fly on the same mm-hmm. airline, and that's true. you know the. It, it builds up. Let's talk about some of your favorite food cities to go to. What do you think of Tucson, Arizona? What's the best thing to eat in Tucson? <laughs> Which is where Jennifer lives. <laughs> oh, man, I guess, uh, you know, some, some, some a burrito or a uh, quesadilla. Chimichanga. A rose and negros. And, yeah, huh? there's some beans. Hey, That's listen, I, I, I want to ask John a question because I, I'm a fan of, of your music and I, I want to make sure we give a little taste uh, to the audience. What, what, what is your favorite piece? Man, Man on the Run. That's my signature tune. Well, um, let's let's listen much. to a little bit of Cowboy well, Mouth's Man on the Run to give you a, yeah. a taste of this. Uh, as we're talking with 
Are, do you ever, when you get to Europe and you're traveling around the world, can you talk a little bit about, um, do you ever ride on trains? Because we, we have in the studio yes, with I us our, our, our guest host, uh, uh, Jennifer Davis Page, is in with us, uh, and we're going to talk a little later on before we say goodbye to Mark today about about getting him on the train with us going from Tucson, Arizona to Los Angeles, getting off at Union Station, walking across the street, going oh to Felipe's God, original, Alvera right? Street. We're going to go to Alvera Street, and then we're going to go across oh, the street gosh. again and have a original French dip sandwich at Felipe's French original. Dip, yes. Right? Yes. With this, oh, my God. I used to live there in L.A., and I've missed it so much. And the spicy <laughs> mustard. Oh, my God. Oh, you're killing me. And the pickles. <laughs> The pickles they give you. I tell you, man. Uh, I, I, I lived almost downtown. Uh, I lived in a little area called East Los Angeles. I mean, that was a hop and skip jump down to, to downtown and all that stuff. And I just, I miss it so much. Uh, I lived there for ten years, and uh, I live up in Northern California now. And that just, uh, when you say things like that, oh my God, drives just throw me crazy. You know, it, you know, what we're gonna right? do. We're gonna get you a jar of that spicy mustard. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. it doesn't taste like anything else anywhere. No, it does not. Uh-uh. No. And and I, Cowboy uh, Mouth does not sound like anybody else anywhere, and it is your incredible gifts that, in concert with your bandmates and the moment that you seize and the energy that you tap into, makes this incredible sound come great. to life. Here is Cowboy Mouth, Man on the Run. From San Bernardino, you can see the lights of L.A. just love that man on the run by cowboy Mike. that just sounds like you're traveling on the rails going from town to town welcome back everybody that is awesome mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that song uh well that song was uh it was written basically from uh i was uh, on a break for uh a few days uh, and i had taken a car out to uh, a brand new car i bought out to california from uh, new orleans i had um and all the stuff that happens in that the, the first two or three verses are just um, are actually true. A guy tried to sell me a gun in a bar one night. <laughs> um, you know, he said he's like, "You need this out here. You need protection." And I was like, "From who?" Guys <laughs> from like you? me. Like, <laughs> from guys I, uh, like me. Uh, well, you know, and I spent my night uh, one night. Literally, there is a, uh, a, a two lane highway that runs north and south through New Mexico, and it's South Six Six Six. And I caught up, you know, I got out with my black and white camera and I took some pictures of the side. I thought, uh, anyway, that night I had to, <laughs> I wound up not getting a hotel. I was in the middle of nowhere. And I threw my sleeping bag on top of the engine of the car, of the hood, where it was warm and just slept up there all night. But I just could hear stuff rustling in the bushes and moving around and you could just hear stuff hopping around. It was pretty, it, it was magical. And, you know, the stars, you could see the Milky Way out there like, no tomorrow. It's, is that where about. the inspiration for most of your material comes from? Just from the the act of having to travel from gig to gig to gig, you just collect stories and then kind of turn them into songs. Yeah, you know, Paul and I, Paul Sanchez and I, that's how we write Great songs. We basically, we just um, we 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 kind of imagine a, a room and what it looks like, and we describe the chair, we describe the ashtray, we describe the piano, and, you know, the lighting. Which it, that's kind of what. Yeah, you, you want to bring the person into the room with you. And I tell you, you know, one of our biggest influences was George Jones. George Jones could 
put you in a room with a cigarette light and an ashtray lit with the lipstick on it and the whole bit, and you'd just be swallowed in. You know, that, that, that's what we were really trying to be like was George Jones-esque. We are talking with the incredibly uber-talented John Thomas Griffith of Cowboy Mouth and thrilled that he's here sharing his music and his inspiration. You know, as we get ready to head down to your native New Orleans, Louisiana for Jazz Fest, where you will be opening... Where you will My be favorite party of the year. Where you will be yes, opening yes. for the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yes, I mean, ha- tell us about yeah. the magic That's, and the joy of those moments. Those pinch I, me moments. I gotta tell you, you know, when you just said that, this, I think it's the first time since I've known that, that we're doing this that I've gotten goosebumps. And I, 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 I never really thought of it before. I just thought, you know, to me, it's an, I've opened for so many beautiful people, from Bruce Springsteen to. U2 to, to, to uh, Go-Go's, Joan Jett, B-52's, you name it, Minute Work. I mean, I've known all these, I'm open for these people, so it never really have made me feel weird or uh, out of sorts or uh, lucky or unlucky or whatever. I just thought, oh, well, that's, if I'm not, then something's yeah, right. wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of the way I've always looked at it and have since I was a teenager. Uh, and But the Rolling Stones, that's a pretty... That's a heavy, heavy duty. Yeah, now that I think about it, that's ginormous. That's hey, listen, line. That's a direct line back to Muddy Waters, back to the Delta, no back to New Orleans. That is American no, music. You know, right? Yeah, you know that's yeah exactly right. You know what? It's the fiftieth anniversary of the Jazz Fest and Heritage Fest, mm-hmm. uh, and they really wanted to bang it out really big, and they, I think they hit them. So, so John we're going to go down there, Jennifer. We're going to broadcast from there that weekend. That, no, that, I, it, it's the greatest party in America, full stop. There's, there's going to be a hundred and typically on that big stage, the old Ray Ban stage, it's what, 150,000 people sitting yeah. there listening to one band, and it, no fights, no BS. Everyone is just there digging yep. the tunes. Love, the love, love, man, love. It, it's Lots really love ridiculously amazing. Uh, John Thomas Griffiths from uh, Cowboy Mouth is with us. I have to ask you the question. When people hear Rolling Stones and they hear the words Jazz Fest, they might think, I, I don't know that I associate uh, these two genres of music uh, uh, this close. Yeah. Will you Will you describe, first of all, New Orleans, it's just a music lover city. And I think jazz uh, is 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 almost the spiritual style of music and it's however you make your music in the jazz style but it's not it's not the genre so much as the as the love that pours out of you while you're making the music is how I would try and explain it but but I'm not making music will you tell us how you do well well you know um I, I can only uh, tell you the story that, that when I was living in New Jersey when I was a 15 uh, year old kid every all the kids up in New Jersey and New York City they loved the Neville brothers. And I, I didn't know what the, who the Neville brothers were. Uh, they loved pure Prairie league and all this country stuff, which I thought was odd, you know, cause they're not from the South. They don't really know what country I'm from the South. I know what country is. I should, at least I think I do, you know? And uh, so I, when I finally, my dad moved us to new Orleans when I was 16, you know, I, all my musical training, it finally came, it came full force. It was like, okay, I, now I know why I'm here. I know why I've been put in this city, and that is to just suck up all this music stuff because I've just eaten it up left and right. And, um, you know, and then I, I found out who the meters were and all this, and I now realized why all these kids were coming from Connecticut and stuff to go to Tulane. And, and, <laughs> and uh, it was that's uh, funny. Yeah. Say, um, they, it, it was what I was supposed to be doing. Uh, I figured it out real fast. That this is, and it did, it didn't, you know, I grew up in Baptist church too. I also got at that. So the gospel thing, you know, when you go to Jazz Fest, not only is there just jazz, there's great jazz, and you've got top tier pillars playing all, all day long. You've got gospel, which is some of the best. It, it'll bring you to tears. The blues tent. There's the wow. uh, Fado Do, which is a which is like a locals tent, which you're going to see all your Cajun guys that are coming out of it. Dio Menard, if you ever get to see him, he's an old Hank Williams. He's the Cajun Hank Williams. Um, you know these guys. Uh, because this, this year alone, I can tell you that the the lineup is astrologically 
impossible. It's like yeah. these stars are lining up like this. This is crazy. This, they're going to have, this is going to be a, a, a jazz fest never forgotten. John, I want to, I want to make sure you know that our, our guest uh, in the co-host seat with me today in the studio is mm-hmm. from your city. She is, okay. she is my, my beautiful uh, Creole friend, uh, Jennifer Davis page. Okay. It's a pleasure. Hello, it's it's a pleasure just sitting here listening to you and the and the wonderful music. Well, thank Tell you. your mom and then we said it. hey. Nice to meet you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite? What's your oh favorite combo, Jennifer? Mine? Mi- no, Mrs. Chase. Mrs. Leah Chase is the most extraordinary human being who is cooking food anywhere in the United States at this That's very right. minute. And at 96 years old, she puts more love and essence in her gumbo and her chicken than any human being could ever conceive of. And it flows through her. And when yeah, you go yeah, into yeah. her house and she uh-huh. says, you are here in my house, you absolutely know you are in well Mrs. Done. Chase's house. That is well said. That's I concur. Right. Holy smokes. Will you, will you come and have gumbo with me, John? I would love to. Any day. It would be my honor. I, I, my treat. It'll be a lot of fun, and it'll be delicious. And then once we're full and can't eat another lick, we'll go eat some fried oysters with some of our other pals, and maybe we'll, oh maybe, we'll, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll let some of our other pals over at Commander's Palace say, how about, we, how about we go to Commander's Palace for dessert, and then we'll go see Miss Lou Brow and let her make us a, 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 midnight, a midnight moonlight drink. How's that? Oh, have either yeah, of you, has anyone ever been to uh, Coop's on Decatur Street? It's a mm. bar, and they have the best fried chicken I have ever had in my really? life. John, it what sounds like we know? need to get Mark out more, though, doesn't it? No, oh, my I, God. I'm telling you, I oh, know it's he's... crazy. He, he knows New Orleans as well as I do, man. He's been down there quite a few times. Talking, he knows his way around. Not even New Orleans. I'm talking the whole country. Really? Uh, it, That's it impressive. The, the most deli- and it's it's a it's a it's a dumpy bar that serves. Great I don't think chicken. they've changed the fryer in you know <laughs> sixty years. But uh-huh. the chicken is delicious. We brought some back with us on the plane last yeah. year. Oh my god! And. We're halfway back. We open it up, and heads were popping up all mm-hmm. over the place looking back at us. Yeah, I do stuff yeah. like that to people on train. Hey, John, when yeah. you get a gig in a city, how often do you think, oh, my God, I'm so glad we're playing this gig because there's this crazy little place, and they make this one dish, and I might only have it once every other year when we go play this gig. But, but you think of the city in food. Are there some cities you think of it, not in terms of music as much, but there's some cities or gigs or places or venues where you think oh, in man. food terms where you're like, boy, I'm so glad I'm going there? Uh, there's quite a bit. You know, there's... Uh I got to tell you this one place. It's not necessarily for the food, but it's a place in Milwaukee. It's off the beaten path, and I, I prefer off the beaten path over anything. And no matter how good or bad it is, um, I just there's this place I found. Walking down this alley, it's called the International Safe House, and it's one of those places where you walk in, you have to get a clue to open the door, and the door opens, and you walk into this bar, and it's all this James Bond stuff. Anyway, yeah, that's one there. of my it's favorite like a, places. It's like a spy place. You've been there? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like a spy museum. Cool. Uh, it opens up, and it's got you? all these little nook and crannies you can hide in and walk through and uh, go up and down in. And it's, just, it's really creepy in a way. Because <laughs> there's a hole in the floor by the bar, and if it's your birthday, they'll do a trap door thing where they open the door and you fall through it. Somebody catches you, obviously. But it's pretty scary. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's called the International Safe House in Milwaukee. As far as food, it everywhere has some kind of place. That, you know, back in the old days when we were, uh, our salad days, I should say, <laughs> yeah, uh, when we were traveling to North Louisiana, we would seek out little meat and threes mm-hmm. out in the country. And there was quite a few. There was uh, some in Pensacola. I do remember it was called R&O's. Um, there was uh, one place called Sarah's. It was in North Louisiana outside of Ruston. Louisiana. Um, I don't even know if really they're there anymore. You know, I haven't been there so long. But we did actively always seek out the meat and three stuff because that's what we were raised on. I was raised on collard greens and black eyed peas and mashed potatoes and pork chops and fried chicken mm. and you know the whole works. Uh, John, do you know what yeah. do you know what Miss uh, Jennifer Davis Page made for me on Monday night? What's that? Red beans and rice. Awesome. Because, you know, Monday is Red Beans and Rice Day. 
I make badass. I, I make a badass red beans and rice. That's delicious. I have to say, I will admit, I do. It's one of my favorites to make. I love making that. There was. I was at Commander's Palace one night, and they were serving a Jack Daniel's Coke float, two oh scoops of two scoops of homemade vanilla ice cream, two shots of Jack, splash of Coke, and a straw. It was divine. Oh, so, yeah. if you, so if you ever want to try it, guys, I just gave you the recipe. Awesome. After you have a couple of 25-cent martinis, you move on to that. <laughs> oh, you know what? If you really, if it's a, if it's for a guy, if you really want to get laid, learn how to make bananas foster. Oh. It's easy. <laughs> Just so you know, it works easy. for girls, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. That is Cooking so funny. Is romantic. Cooking is romantic. Uh, Cooking is romantic, and I don't think there's anything more decadent than Bananas Foster. At what age oh, do you no. learn how to make that? If, if, if we're talking euphemistically, at what, at what age do you learn how to make Bananas Foster in New Orleans? Uh, I <laughs> like a pretty young age. Yeah, pretty much very a young. teenager. Yeah. yeah. I, I know I, that's what I learned. My dad was, uh, he had retired, and he really does uh, up in his, his chefing skills. And so he'd make all this stuff, like stuffed flounder, uh, stuffed trout, um, all with crap, yeah, all this crap stuff. And uh, <clears throat> I remember he made bananas foster when I was like a teenager, and I was like, "Oh my god, what is that? Mm-hmm. I gotta, I, yeah, Maybe make not. me more, make me some more, <laughs> please." We're talking with the legendary guitarist John Thomas Griffith from uh, Cowboy Mouth, and your co-host Mark DiCarlo is here. You're tuned in to a Fork on the Road. In the couple of minutes that we have left, guys, let's talk about uh, Jazz Fest. And where, can, John, where can we find out more about your touring dates? Um, you can go to cowboymouth.com, and um, that's I think we probably have a Facebook, obviously a Facebook page. Which, just type in Cowboy Mouth and it'll come up and band page. Um, and Twitter's the same. Just Cowboy Mouth. <clears throat> here's, here's the great thing about Jazz Fest. Not only uh, the Jazz Fest website is nojazzfest.com. Not only are all these great bands playing during the day, but all the bars at night have nighttime shows. And in those nighttime yes, shows, mm-hmm. you'll get uh, Paul Barrere from Little Feet playing with Anders Osborne, and you get kind of uh, super groups. Uh, that play there yep. and and mix it up together and I, I'm guessing with the Rolling Stones in town, Little Feet's doing their 50th anniversary. The nighttime wow. shows this year are going to be, you yep. know, spectacular. You don't go to bed yeah. if you're doing it right. You're not in bed before four during Jazz no. Fest. That's true. That's just the way it is. And we're going to be there. Stamina. You better have some stamina. That's all. Yeah, I you got to rest up. <laughs> yeah, do, do nappy. You do I, I nappy. laugh because I know there's some rookies out there that'll go down there. Yeah, I got it. What it takes. And go, yeah, really? <laughs> we'll see. Right. They drink their oh, heads God. off the first day, and then you don't right. see them for two days. That's not right. Uh-huh. Yep. Well, hey, I just so, wanted to say, uh, you know, uh, growing up in a, in, a, in a southern home, uh, you know, I really learned a lot from my mother and uh, and, and my father, but mostly my mother. I, that's where I learned all my cooking skills from. She was a genius. Um, sweet tea down the, the, the red eye gravy. Um, mm. and, you know, my dad made hoe cake. Um, they were really, you know, Southern people. And, um, anyway, uh, that's, I just wanted to say that that's where my, where it comes from Southern cooking. There's nothing like it, you know, and they try to emulate it on both coasts and up North and it just it never really makes the mustard. I, I don't think, you know, not the real deal. You know, some guys try to, take it across you know i know there's a place a couple places in california and they, I, I, to me that they're trying and i gotta handle give them props for trying but uh there's nothing like the real thing you need My the favorite. humidity you yeah need it, it you needs to be hot and sticky and you got to be drinking a you know a black and voodoo or a dixie beer to really get in the mood <laughs> well you know i don't i don't know if a lot of people know this but the reason French bread is uh, rises the way it does there in New Orleans is because of the sea level and the water that is mixed with the dough. Um, you can't find that anywhere else. That's why it's special for that that area. Well, Jennifer uh, Davis, Page, Mark DiCarlo, John, thank you all so much for being here. And uh, as we wrap up this edition of A Fork on the Road, Mark, I'm going to let you take it. What a fun show. I want to thank Susie Nakamura. Thanks to Mr. J.T. Griffith, who is going to be opening for the Rolling Stones at the 50th Woo! anniversary of Jazz Fest. Thanks, Jennifer Davis, Page. And, of course, thank you to my lovely and talented co-host, 
Jennifer English. Thanks for listening. She's Jennifer English at Flavor Bank, and I'm at Mark DiCarlo TV on Instagram. We'll be back next week with another deep dive into travel, food, and funny. Until then, I'll see you at a fork on the road. Take me back to New Orleans and drop me at my door. Cause I might love you, yeah, but I love me more. There's nothing left but skin I'd rather be anyone else right now The light that shone within my eyes is slowly growing dim She told me where, told me when, but never said how But I love me more I love me more